Hi, welcome to Interviews Podcast. I am passionate about business. I used to run businesses for others before launching my own. And I have always asked myself one key question. What is the secret recipe to properly structure and successfully run a business? So I am on a quest to find out through insightful conversations with entrepreneurs all around the world. Follow me on my journey to crack the entrepreneurship code. Interviews is sponsored by Bertoli Digital, a Wix website agency built for startups, individuals and SMEs. Bertoli Digital is also Finland's first certified Wix expert and Wix partner agency. 1% of all the agency's project revenue go to Global Footprint Network to help change how the world manages its natural resources and respond to climate change. If you want to know more, www.bertolidigital.com or contact at bertolidigital.com. Today I am with David Cole, the founder and principal of Atelier Cole, based in Cambodia and UK. Hey David, thank you very much for joining me today. Absolute pleasure, nice to be here. All right, so let's start. Please tell us a little bit about your background and your journey. Okay, uh, so uh, I'm a designer uh, by trade and um, I, I'm obviously the founder of, of Atelier Cole, which is a design studio uh, that works out of uh, Southeast Asia in Phnom Penh and uh, in Europe we work out of the UK. We've got a small team, uh, probably around 30 staff at the moment, um, and we tackle a range of different projects at different scales. The, the journey so far has, uh, has meant that uh, we've been able to be quite uh, small and agile with the projects that we've taken on, and uh, I guess kind of our success at the moment is in delivering projects um, that meet, uh, you know, a, a different uh, uh, a different set of needs than, not, than typical architecture practice. We work it with a lot with community-based projects um, and looked at uh, kind of mixed-use developments. Um, and yeah, we work with local governments, private sector, um, try and bring those those people together. So it's it's an interesting journey so far. Good. When did you know you would be uh, an entrepreneur? Wow, I guess I still really don't know that. It's it's a strange <laughs> thing. Like, um, people, so I guess when people started calling me an entrepreneur, like as a designer, there's a kind of quite a, a, a like a, a path that's laid out for you. you. Either work for somebody or you work for yourself. And I think I think there's a lot of freedom that comes from working for yourself. I think you know, I, I when I was working in practice for other people in larger firms i felt that well it sounds uh, it sounds bad to say but you know like there were certain things that i would change if i was in that environment and i felt that they weren't uh, maybe as effective as if i was uh, working for myself and also the decision making i was keen to um, explore um, avenues of design which really were important to me um, and I think that sometimes the only way that you can do that is to establish your own you, you know your own practice for the work that I do and then I guess the other thing was 
I kind of enjoy, I enjoy working with people. You know, there's kind of like in the design sense, they're sitting in front of a computer and doing the design work. But I enjoy the process of design of, you know, talking to clients and, and that kind of light bulb moment and, you know, uh, seeing collaboration between client and designer. Like I, that's the bit that really interests me. So I guess it was a kind of organic uh, thing that led to, you know, setting up my own practice of what you would call being an entrepreneur. Okay. And so what is it like to be an entrepreneur on a daily basis? I mean, I guess, I guess the, 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 the question there is kind of, you know, what, what are the, what are the benefits and what are the disadvantages of kind of running a company and i think you know obviously the, it's touched on you know a little bit about kind of like the freedom that you set your own agenda but then you know the uh, the kind of negative side of that is needing to have the drive to keep pushing things forward sometimes you know that kind of like the the idea that it's kind of lonely at the top but that there's no one to kind of bounce ideas off of that you've got to be quite structured in the way that you deal with your time because there's no one kind of holding you to account mm -hmm. um, other than yourself and, and, you know, having to set your own objectives. Is that, is that the most difficult for you? I mean, I think, you know, the, we, we've been very fortunate and, you know, we've talked about this before about how, you know, my journey has been quite an organic one. It wasn't that, you know, I set out with a goal to have my own company and that I was going to hit these targets. It was more, you know, we started delivering, you know, high quality design work and then people, you know, gen, you know, that generated more business for us. And the way in which things have happened has meant that, you know, finding work has never been that hard. I think kind of sustaining the quality of that work when there's more and more um, clients demanding your attention is probably the bit that we struggle with and then there's that kind of you know how do you scale i guess you know that's the bit, the bit that i think most people will struggle with you know as they realize that they have to scale up how do you you know consistently give that level of quality that you, you can do when you're on your own you know or with a very small team mm -hmm. well that's that's a great question how do you do that you know finding the right people i guess you know that's that's the the trick and like i say you know things have happened very very fast for us so we've had to um make sure that we can take on you know staff i guess the the question for us was more about you know always making sure that the door is open to people that are going to be good for your team and not necessarily trying to find specific job titles for specific work but um, knowing that you're going to have to have different skill sets come into the company at different times. Mm. Uh, and then working with the staff that you've got and really understanding what their skill sets are so that you can best put them into the right positions where they're going to maximize what they can do. And then, you know, training and, you know, making sure that, you know, if your staff are not performing as you think that they should do, highlighting that in a, in a structured way and allowing them to, kind of notice that and then give them the means in which they can perform in a in a more structured better way that's interesting because training often you hear people saying oh yeah but what if i train my staff you know when they leave sure well what? at the end of the day you know you've still given someone the skills to go out and improve themselves i you know i'm not as cutthroat as as 
you know maybe other firms are insofar as you know i don't necessarily think that i it's, it's a weird one right because i guess the the fear is you train someone and then they go to your competitors right mm. and then you're losing business right that's the direct kind of tra- the thing that people think and i don't know like i'm a, I'm a big uh we've been really lucky you know like I, I see my role as basically creating an environment where my staff can deliver like the best possible versions of themselves that they can be and you know if that means that i have to train them and there's a risk that they see that there's a better opportunity elsewhere for them to go and do fine you know i'm willing to take that risk because if i don't do that and you know they're sat in my company and they're just there for the money they're not performing as i want them to do i want them to come to work each day knowing that you know what they're doing is is something that they're passionate about you know it's necessarily about the paycheck at the end of the month and I can pretty much put my hand on my heart and say that that's probably not the case, you know, that they're not just there for the money, probably because we don't pay them enough. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, what they do get is, you know, that rewarding sense of what they're doing each day is, is trying to make things better. You know, like we're, we're in the uh, business of transforming environments into more livable areas for people or making work environments better. And, you know, I would say that, you know, 99% of my clients get that. So you mentioned that recruitment was an important aspect, obviously, and you put a lot of focus on, on you've been talking a lot about people. Mm. How can you make sure you're recruiting the right people? Do you have, do you have a thorough process? I mean, like, so at the moment, all the interviews are held by, my, by myself. We don't necessarily you know, have projects that come in and then we hire for those projects. We basically allow people to send CVs to us constantly you know mm-hmm. and then we we look at the cvs we look at the portfolios of work that comes through and you know the ones that um, have the highest caliber we will bring in for for interviews or we will put we'll notify them that they're on a on a waiting list and and um bring them in for interviews when we see fit so in that sense it, we've been lucky because we you know we're obviously growing very quickly and that's that's worked and I think in doing that, you know, we've not had to go out and actually look for people. We've not had to use recruitment agents, really. We've been fortunate enough that through kind of exposure on social media channels, that people come to us. And I think that that's actually really important, that most of the people, nearly all the people that we've had in the office, have had that drive to get in touch with us first mm-hmm. and like that's one of the you know it's definitely a characteristic of the employees that we have that they have that get up and go and that they've seen what we do and then they want to be part of it for me it's almost more important than me going out and trying to get like a cv of, or headhunt someone from another company you know we've never done that we've never had to kind of go and try and poach the staff mm-hmm. from other people people have always kind of approached us Mm. So, and, I, and I put more emphasis into that, you know, that our marketing and the way in which we promote our company is, yes, is directed at clients, but is also directed at potential staff that can come on board as well. Mm-hmm. I often tell my clients, you know, you should, you should give a, a reason for your employees to wake up and come to work every, mo- every morning. Apparently, you fund that. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I guess, I guess one of the traits that, you know, if, if I were to kind of ask my staff about kind of what my, my management style was, I think probably 
overall what you'd get is is kind of very flexible would be the answer and i guess you know there's a there's a problem in that because at the, at the end of the day you know i'm i am very very flexible i let them kind of define what they're doing you know i want them to uh, really take ownership of the process and with design it's mm. really important that they have that ownership mm. um, so that they feel passionate about it and i guess my role is then just to guide them through that process and to point out the pitfalls that i might see ahead of them because of my experience and you know and sometimes yeah it might take more time and it might not be the most cost effective way of me running the business you know because I, we don't have a set protocol for, you know, okay, we're going to do it like this, the way that we've always done it. But that, that's that's not what would get me out of bed in the morning, you know. So uh, I think that's important to give people that flexibility um, mm. and allow them to d define themselves. I mean, you know, again, I'm working with creatives, you know, and I think that that's, you know, I, I treat them the same way that I would want to be treated. I know that you've been involved in the development sector, the not-for-profit sector. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of where this, you know, where my private um, practice started was um, 10 years ago, we founded a not-for-profit uh, organization that would give design and construction support to uh, people in need. Uh, that organization called Building Trust International, I started with my with my partner, now my, my wife. Uh, it grew very, very rapidly. And I think it gave us a set of skills that we took into the private sector as well. Uh, essentially, what we were doing is we were asking companies and individuals in the private design sector to try and support people in need. Yeah, be they community groups, be they individuals, teachers in refugee camps, health professionals, whatever. And we got requests from all over the world um, to support that. And so our organization basically linked those people in need up with local professionals in the built environment sector to them. And then we aided that process either through funding or through support. And, you know, that was very successful. Now we're like operational in about 26 countries and our our head office for operations for Southeast Asia was in Cambodia and still is in Cambodia. So how important is the not-for-profit for you? Why do you still do it? I guess this comes back to kind of, you know, like what gets you out of bed in the morning, you know, and it's, I think for me, the design process is something which is really interesting. And I think in kind of like my career, like as I've moved through my career, there's been times when, you know, I've, I've kind of realized different things about the design process. And uh, about 10 years ago, I kind of really got hold of the idea that essentially design is about problem solving. And then, you know, I began to kind of ask myself, okay, like how far could we take this? You know, could we, can we try and use design to, you know, improve people's lives? And I think the answer is a resounding yes. And then, you know, can we use design in contexts where there's, you know, real humanitarian issues or conservation issues. And so that became something which I became very passionate about. So it's not necessarily, you know, whether the kind of not-for-profit not briefs and clients are important to me. It's more about the ability to use uh, the design process to tackle some of these, you know, pressing issues. Tackling big issues and open-ended questions is something that I think has kind of strengthened the team's ability to take on uh, quite complex kind of architectural commercial briefs as well. Mm. Yeah, in, in short, it's it's very important to me that we carry on trying to use design and architecture to tackle some of these um, kind of global issues. 
Is that what you're the most proud of? Oh, pride. I don't know. I've never kind of stopped to kind of like think about what I'm really proud of. It seems a bit, it's not something I've ever kind of sat back and gone, oh, that particular project is something which I'm really pr proud of. I think if I was to look back and kind of think about the last kind of 10 years of both the commercial and the uh, non-profit work that we've done, I think the thing that I'd probably take from it all is just maybe the ability to get different groups to work very well together. I think like mm -hmm. that's been something which I'm, you know, is something which I've uh, strived to do yeah. and it's something which has worked quite well. It's difficult to kind of pinpoint something which I'm proud of per se because everything that we've done has been such a collaborative approach, you know, to what we do. Mm. It feels false to take my own pride in it. I understand, but clearly the people take a big part in what you've been doing. You talk, you talk a lot about the importance of people. You talk a lot about collaborative work. Would that be the main recommendation that you would give to other entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's, it's something which you're kind of beginning to kind of draw out now and begin to define now. It's definitely not something, if someone asked me, you know, what would be your advice for entrepreneurs? I guess my kind of cliche thing would be to do something you're passionate about. But I think, you know, if you can, if you can act as a catalyst to getting people to, to you know, perform at their best, and do something that they're passionate about as well and draw people together with a common aim. Mm. I think that's, it's a win-win, right? Because you're, you're getting people to work towards something which they, which they feel passionate about themselves and want to be part of. Um, and at the same time, you're delivering, you know, on, on what your own objectives are as a, as, be it a company, be it a particular project brief, be it a, a non-profit uh, objective of, or a charitable concern. All of these things need people to, to drive them forward. So yeah, I think if you can, if you can, get the right team in place, then it's, it's half the battle. Leadership at its best. Nice. Huh? What, is your, what is the big dream for your business? Okay. I mean, this is, it's, it's a tricky one, right? Because like, you know, at the moment, we've got so many projects in different places around the world. And I guess that's, uh, there's, that's a struggle in that of like overcoming kind of remote working and, and dealing with teams from different backgrounds and very diverse and clients in different time zones wanting different things. But the ability to have that uh, run a bit more smoothly would be something which would be good. So that's kind of like a short term dream. I guess a kind of a more longer term uh, aspiration would be for the company to have kind of, you know, these, these projects in different, different areas around the globe and for there to be more of a crossover between the commercial work that we do and the humanitarian kind of conservation work that we do as well. I'd like to see whether we can get more of the, you know, the agenda that we have. I mean, for example, we were working on a project recently, you know, a large developer in the UK and their real focus was on about kind of health and well-being and about how we could promote health and well-being within mm -hmm. that project. And I think like what I'd like to see is, yeah, more of the, private developers beginning to realize that those things are going to be important, you know, with an aging population and with kind of poverty and with um, breakdown of, you know, family networks in the West, for example, and then how do we tackle those issues? So I think that's where I'd see, you know, us having the most benefit because we've obviously got a foot in both camps as it were. Mm. It's interesting. I've been interviewing now like a dozen people so far, but 
all the entrepreneurs I've talked to, they all mention the human aspect of the business. And that gives me some hope in this world. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like people are becoming more aware of, you know, like the global issues that, are, that present. Uh, themselves at the moment with global warming and with climate change with still there being a very big divide between those in poverty and those that are you know reasonably well off and I think um, the generation that's coming through now I mean I notice it a lot with the applications that we get that want to get involved with with building trust there's definitely more of a hunger for that and and to get involved in that and not to be driven so much by profit but to be driven by you know what what the social benefits might be mm. uh, so yeah no it's it's good take I, I also take heart from that so who inspires you or what books would you recommend i don't i don't like yeah it's, it's a weird one isn't it because um i think there's a lot of kind of self-help books out there and different business books and all of these different things at the moment they must kind of profile me on google because i get them coming through you know advertised to me But um, to be honest, I, I, I've never really read any of those or, or listened to any of those. But, you know, I think it's important to, to have kind of fiction, you know, to read, to have something that's outside of your normal genre. You can take inspiration from, from lots of different things around you. And I definitely say that uh, that's something which I would say that people should do as much as possible, you know, be it kind of music, be it painting, art, or again, I come from a creative background, so it's more kind of different creative uh, things that I get involved or that take inspiration from. Do you follow anybody online? No, I don't. Should I? <laughs> <laughs> well, follow me. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, like, uh, who, who do I look up to? Where do you find inspiration? For projects, normally from nature. I know it sounds a bit kind of like a cliche to say that, But a lot of the starting points that we, we take from, from projects are kind of grounded in looking at nature and kind of uh, biomimicry and, yeah, nature, basically, I, I think is what we take most inspiration from as a, as a practice. So we're coming to the end of this interview. I have one more question for you. How can people contact you? Yeah, uh, You can contact me by email. Um, you can get onto the, uh, the website, ateliercole.com. Contact us at info. Um, at ateliercole.com get in touch on Facebook uh, it's easy to find us um, on Facebook and Instagram yeah no it's, it's been really interesting having a chat with you you know just touching on kind of like how we know each other as well you know like I, I, I took on your services to help at a time when um, I was feeling kind of out of control with, with the growth the speed of growth of our company and you kind of really helped hone down what was important to, to us and um, like my team at that stage and gave us kind of you know what was our our drive which was you know essentially in a soundbite kind of you know how we could design the difference uh, the difference between good and bad and the difference between kind of good and great um, projects so I think that was uh, that was really important for us um, at that time and is is something which you know I'm very thankful for so it's nice to make the time for you as well with this well, interview. Th thank you very much for taking for taking the time Thank you all for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback about today's interview. So if you have any questions for my guests or myself, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, send an email to contact at lauranotan.com or reach out on LinkedIn. See you next time. Bye-bye.